Makers of Sport Podcast, Episode 59, Halftime. Welcome to Makers of Sport Halftime, the short show on the off weeks of interviews where I discuss topics such as professionalism, entrepreneurship, and business to help you in your careers so that you can apply it to this sports industry. Every single day, each of us make decisions and we have opinions on things that are specific to our own personal taste, whether it's listening to a certain type of music drinking your coffee a certain way, or choosing your own personal style of clothing. Our taste is our ability to like and or dislike certain things. It is our ability to discern what is of high quality and what isn't. The way in which we view the world is a direct reflection of our taste. Some people like cheap beer. Others like craft beer. One looks down upon the other, thinking to themselves, that person has bad taste. Designers tend to have a higher level of taste than most. In fact, it is my belief, albeit a a bit narcissistic, that most people simply just do not have good taste when it comes to visual matters. Somehow, since our childhoods, creativity is often pushed out of us, and we begin to view the world through a different set of lenses. The majority of people tend to develop a bad habit of mediocrity when it comes to what things look like. They don't care, but they think that they have good taste. The designer in me, and most likely in you, makes us a bit of a perfectionist at many things. I have a passion and a personal discernment for order. Order of letters and typefaces. Spacing of items, both physical and digital. It's a bit obsessive-compulsive, really. Recently, I put Christmas lights up outside my house with my family. It drives me nuts that the lights are not exactly evenly spaced. But based on the physical limitations of having to move back from a distance to view the overall composition of all the lights together, and then moving in to space out the actual lights, it tends to drive me nuts. It's something that almost can't be done. And honestly, it would be a waste of time to actually physically measure out every single light in regards to where it's placed next to the other strings. My wife, who luckily doesn't listen to this podcast, thinks it looks fine, but I don't like fine. I like perfect, perfectly spaced and perfect order. Famous graphic designer and movie title designer Saul Bass once said, quote, I want everything we do to be beautiful. I don't give a damn whether the client understands that that's worth anything or that the client thinks it's worth anything or whether it is worth anything. It's worth it to me. It's the way I want to live my life. I want to make beautiful things even if nobody cares, end quote. The late Massimo Vignelli, another famous graphic designer, once stated, quote, the life of a designer is a life of fight fight against the ugliness. Just like the doctor fights against disease, for us, the visual disease is what we have around 
And what we try to do is somehow cure it through design, end quote. I think this is how many designers end up approaching life and our careers. The problem is in business, when people hire creatives, taste becomes a subjective measure. There's too much of it. Their tastes almost never match our own, and the inherent debate begins. Do we create for them and their tastes, or do we use our, most of the time, better taste to create what is needed? Obviously, we should do the latter if we can. It is our job to make the world a more beautiful place and to bring order to the visual aesthetic of the world and to make things more readable and just aesthetically pleasing. But the issue at hand is more in the way of how we use our taste to create for those that hire us if we are performing services for others. Enter subjectivity versus objectivity. We as people view the world through our own subjective lens. Subjective judgments are based on or influenced by personal feelings, tastes, and opinions. Anytime a professional sports team or college athletic team rebrands, a spectrum of comments typically ensue ranging from those that like the new visuals and those that do not with oftentimes the ones that do not spewing vitriolic and unhelpful rhetoric based on their own personal opinions. Opinions that are oftentimes ill-informed and based on their own bad taste. What they never take into account is that there are legions of stakeholders involved in a project of this magnitude. Or that there are actual goals put forth in the beginning of the creative process that were oftentimes adhered to throughout. Maybe there's a problem that needs to be solved. A proper design project should always be approached objectively, no matter the discipline, whether it's sports, whether it's healthcare, whether it's startups, it should always be approached objectively. And that is to not be influenced by personal opinions or feelings, but to be influenced by matter of fact. Art is subjective. Art speaks to people in its own way, in their own language, and their own visual aesthetic. Some people may like Picasso. Some people may like Jackson Pollock. That is a subjective thing. It depends on when you look at this piece, how do you judge it? What, what do you feel when you judge this piece? And sometimes it can get mixed up. Design can get mixed up with that because we are creating visual items. But design should be objective. There are always goals because it is a commercial art. We are creating design for clients or for products that we create, things that are for sale, things that are to be consumed. It is a consumer art. There are always goals that need to be achieved. Perhaps those goals are to revitalize a fan base in the wake of too many losing seasons. Perhaps they are to recreate a new feeling of excitement and sort of get away from an ugly past such as the Los Angeles Clippers. Too many times when designers are working on projects, we tend to get into a debate about whose visual aesthetic is better, whose opinion is better, whose subjective taste has more weight. In almost every case, when that is the debate, the client is going to win this argument, and, the, and they may not be right, and that's simply because they are paying. That's where the money's coming from, and oftentimes, they sort of view they're hiring us to do exactly what they say, and that really shouldn't be the case. We're being hired as professionals, and we should give our opinions and use our knowledge and expertise and talents to create 
what is needed based on objective measures and research. There really shouldn't be an argument at all. An objective solution should be reached based on research, data, interviews, experimentation, conceptualizing, and just understanding the demographic that one is creating for. We're not creating for that particular client. Maybe sometimes you are. Maybe it's one product. If they are the only person that's going to use that product, then certainly you're creating for them. But if they have customers, we're not creating for them. We're creating for their customers. Of course, there are things from an actual execution perspective that should be defaulted to when it comes to a designer's aesthetic versus a client's aesthetic. Things like good kerning and typography, good composition, consistent spacing, and a, just a cohesion of visual elements. Things that are fundamental to the design craft. Things that we have learned over time in our craft. These are technicalities and they cannot really be argued against. One cannot simply state that the kerning is off if they don't like certain letter spacing when there's basically one solution, proper kerning or improper kerning. Uh, and typically that's just based on the need for readability, size of words, or just contrast to other typefaces. But aside from those areas, even though we have better taste, we should present to clients in a way that is based on research that we conduct. Being objective means that we may have used our personal taste to execute, but not to come up with the solution. The solution should always be reached through an objective lens. In the case that solutions are reached through an objective lens, it is almost impossible to argue subjectively. Let's take, for example, color usage. Colors are typically selected based on some form of representation or part of the strategy of the brand. An example of this in sports context would be the introduction of cream into the Milwaukee Bucks new brand identity by Doubleday and Cartwright. Milwaukee, Wisconsin is known as the cream city because of their relationship and history to producing cheese and, and cream production. The tertiary color was based on the faded bricks of the city and some of those facilities. This is something that comes from historical context that cannot be argued. One cannot simply say that they want to tie in the history of the city, and when something like that this is used, they cannot say that they don't like the cream color because they subjectively do not like cream, yet they want to pay homage to the city. It is objective. One can, however, disagree on execution of certain parts of the identity, um, perhaps in regards to composition or spacing or just maybe the proper typeface uh, doesn't evoke a certain feeling that the brand is trying to get across. Typefaces convey feelings. A typeface projects a personality. If you take, for example, a person walking on the street in a three-piece suit versus a person that is, say, in flip-flops and a ripped-up T-shirt, you typically have made some judgment on those two people. It's just human nature. Typography does the same thing. It evokes a feeling and allows us to judge something based on what it makes us feel like. If you think about comparing a brand identity for a sports team versus a brand identity for, say, a child's toy brand. Let's just say Hot Wheels or Mattel or something like that. The two evoke separate feelings. Um, and the, uh, the objective thing to do when approaching these two design projects is to create knowing that the demographic will look at these through a, a certain way, uh, through their own sort of subjective lens. And maybe, maybe it's a kid, right? Like a kid looks at things a certain way. Um, there's, there's even research on, on children's apps. You'll see a lot of just being a dad myself, you'll see a lot of children's 
development or iOS apps that sort of have bigger buttons and, and a lot of bright colors and, and you'll notice a lot of characters and cartoons have really pronounced features, big eyes, big noses, big mouths, just, and that's just because that those are, those are things that children notice. Those are things that stick out to them that sort of help them uh, look at things individually. Research on demographics is very important. And this is also why it's very tough to judge an identity based on our own subjective feelings when maybe we're not particular fans of a team. Adam Clement, back in one of the earlier episodes of Makers of Sport, he's this uh, senior creative director of team sports at Under Armour, was, was mentioning that in his episode that there are oftentimes people that will just not like a uniform design that they do because they don't like that team. Now that's being <laughs> way too subjective, if you aren't from a particular market, you may not understand an identity as well as people that are from that market. The people that are from that market that are actually going to that those games or, and be buying tickets to those games and rallying around that team may understand the things that are produced within that, that identity. We may not get it. We should look at all projects in the design world from an objective lens. We should try to think about what the goals were before making our subjective judgment. I think human nature is just for us to make an initial subjective opinion once we see something. But typically, once we take some time, if we do take some time to do research and look a little bit further into the project, we can make a more objective judgment based on what we have found. Once we read the research and we see maybe the, the brand style guidelines or, or just the, the brand strategy to see why these particular decisions were made. It may sell the actual identity to us and we may actually begin to understand it better. We should really not be designing for our client's personal visual aesthetic. I know it's tough and in the sports world, things tend to get passed through chains of commands. And a lot of times in these design by committees, things just sort of get vanilla to death because people are afraid to take a risk. No one wants to stand out and be the risk taker. Uh, so, so things just get sort of vanilla to death. And there's, there's been some articles about the Los Angeles Clippers identity and sort of the fear that went along with it. And I'll post a link to that in the show notes. It's a, it's a pretty good article and, uh, I'm not sure the actual truth of it, but it apparently comes from a source um, that was close to the situation. But, you know, we, we see what was produced there. And I think a lot of people made subjective judgments on it, which is which is totally fine. But if you if you were to put that identity in the group of other sports identities, it's just it's not executed well at all. It looks very amateur. The typography isn't kerned, kerned well. There, there are many things that are wrong with it, and, and it's quite unfortunate, but we don't actually know the things that went on behind the scenes. And so, you know, we can't really judge a designer, the people that created it, because maybe they were told to do things a certain way. Now, part of that is a designer's fault. We should always pick our battles and, and battle things in those scenarios and, and use our expertise. But sometimes I certainly understand that people have jobs to do and they just, they don't want to speak up about things and that type of thing uh, because maybe they just have a family to feed. But anyhow, if, if, if the time is given and proper research is conducted based on a demographic, you should really always be able to point to that research and justify 
design decisions that you made. That makes the debates very tough in terms of subjectivity. People can't necessarily say just because they like it when you're actually presenting them research that states something different. Keep this in mind as you continue to create for clients or customers or fans. Use your talents, personal knowledge, personal visual aesthetic to do the technical things like produce proper kerning, composition, etc. all of those fundamentals. However, use the research and the data to develop the actual strategy behind the concept so that you can point to that. And, and again, as mentioned, say this is why we made the decisions that we made. And that way you're not simply saying that you liked it, that your opinion is more valuable than this other person's opinion. That w- Watch people argue politics. Watch people argue um, their team versus another team, North Carolina versus Duke, Michigan versus uh, Michigan State. Nobody is going to win that argument. You're not going to convince another person based on opinion. You have to have objective research that you can point to. And even in in those particular cases, people are still going to resort to their opinion, even if you point to actual research, just because they, they can't look at things objectively. Winning a debate based on I like it versus they like it is never productive. If you have any questions or comments for me on this topic or have any suggestions for other type of topics you'd like for me to discuss in these halftime episodes, then feel free to email me at info at makersofsport.com. Speaking of email, please be sure to sign up for the email newsletter where I've been sending out weekly email, uh, weekly emails uh, that are called weekend reads. And those, those, if you like these halftime episodes, those are really sort of morphing into their own halftime. They're, they're really in-depth articles that are very similar to these topics. Uh, the, I write those specifically for the email list. Those never go public. You can sign up and support the podcast by going to makersofsport.com slash email. On next week's episode, Eric Bottomer is going to be joining the podcast. Eric is a uniform designer in the NHL division of Adidas, formerly Reebok. He has created uniforms for some of the biggest brands in the world of hockey, as well as consumer fashion brands such as Abercrombie & Fitch, The Gap, and more. It should be a good episode providing deep insight into the world of uniform design. As always, please like, rate, and write reviews of the show on iTunes. You can get there by going to makersofsport.com slash iTunes. I'll also accept likes or ratings on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Overcast, or wherever you happen to be listening to this podcast. Here's a review written recently that I want to read by iTunes user HopDaddy27. This user writes, While titled as a sports design podcast, adventures into other areas of sports, such as marketing and branding. I discovered Makers of Sport about a week ago and have been frantically listening to each and every podcast Adam has put out. It's not only very informational for anyone in the industry, but it also doubles as a motivational tool. It's amazing to hear the stories of everyone who has become successful in this industry. Not only do you get their story, but you get their personal insights and advice, which in turn lights a fire within you to keep working hard to achieve your goals. Keep up the hard work, Adam. Many thanks, HopDaddy27. Uh, Holler at me on Twitter. I'd definitely like to thank you publicly there through Twitter. That's a great review, and and I really appreciate you listening. I'm also very excited that the show and the guests are able to motivate you as you work towards your own goals. I think just developing a community of people 
that are, that are pushing each other is, is a very positive thing. As for the rest of you, please take some time to leave a review and share the show. Doing so ensures that the show will continue to be free. There are no sponsors here, nor will there ever be. At least I hope not. I'm happy to provide free quality content to you listeners, but the only way that you are going to be able to make this show stay free is if you can help the show get recognized by sharing it on social media and heading over to makersofsport.com slash iTunes and leaving a review or sharing it in, in, if you're not on iTunes, sharing it in the other, other areas. If you do that for me, I will be sure to read my favorite ones over the air. If you don't have an iTunes account, again, be sure to share, like, and write review that, of that show in whichever other application you happen to be listening. Lastly, follow me, ask questions, or say hello on Twitter. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash makersofsport. I'm at T. Adam Martin on Twitter. The show is at Makers of Sport. Until next time, have a good week.